listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here, and in today's podcast, we're going to talk about a 24-unit apartment building that my buddy Terrence Doyle bought in Wheat Ridge uh, about a year ago what his business plan was, how he took it down, and how he shifted and changed his business plan as the market and the opportunities change as well. So it'll be a great podcast. We can go through all the numbers from a high-level standpoint and what to do is get into bigger properties. What's up, Terrence? Chris Lopez, my main man. How are you? Really good, man. I'm like the new hats. New value hats. The black and white edition is out. Don't ask where you can get them because you can't get them, but they are out. Our team has them and select people as well. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. It actually took a lot of planning and thoughtful planning. And I'm pretty excited how it turned out. I, I'm not trying to get into the gear and uh, clothing game, but you know, I thought that our team needed some hats and some hoodies. And so I've been finding myself spending a lot of time on them and I'm excited for them to get here and to be done with it. When are the sneakers coming out? No sneakers. Okay. No sneakers. All right. So going back to this property in Wheat Ridge, um, Set us up for it because I've walked this property. Uh, it's actually a property we walked on one of the bigger pockets, uh, right along shows, which we can link to. So cool property, opportunity there. How'd you take it down? So if we rewind, 2020, COVID was going on, and you know, March, April, May, not a lot of transactions. I was trying to build relationships. We had had some soft commitments. This is syndications, right? So we were doing individual syndications, which basically means I would find a deal, I would put up the earnest money, I would order the appraisal, and then go find five to ten, maybe twelve, you know, strategic LPs, limited partners that would bring a certain amount of capital, and then we would take down the deal. So that was a syndication. So that's what I was doing in 2020. It was really early stage when I was trying to figure out if I wanted to continue doing deals on my own or raise outside capital. And so that was what we were doing. And as you can imagine, there were some people that were very against doing deals and other people that were like, oh, this is a great time to do deals. The rest of the market is pretty stagnant and semi-fearful. And they didn't know what was gonna happen with COVID. And I was, in my heart, I was I thought it was a great time to buy. You know, it's not like I had a crystal ball. I just felt like, hey, the this is Denver. There's still a lot of migration. There's a lot of job growth. The fundamentals are here. It's one of the top 13 markets, GDP in the country. You know, all this positive momentum for Denver. And I just was like, that's not going to be, that's not going to go away overnight. So let's continue to buy and stay aggressive. So I was meeting with brokers and talking to brokers on a weekly, daily basis, just trying to find deals that fit our box, which is off-market, multifamily, value-add. When we say value-add, we mean it's not been shopped it has at least 20% growth for rents after construction. So if the rents are a thousand, we can at least get them to 1200 plus after we do a, a like small cosmetic remodel. So we're not like popping tops and doing foundational work. It's just cosmetic. We go in there and we do new flooring, paint, sometimes kitchen cabinets, vanities, countertops, things like that. So cosmetic, that's our definition of value add. And that's what we've been looking for. And so I got a call from a buddy who's a broker, knew a property manager that had a landlord that he'd worked with for 20 plus years that was tired of managing multifamily as people, anyone that's listening, if they've managed their own properties, they know it's hand-to-hand combat, especially in 
in a pandemic, not a lot of fun, a lot of issues, a lot of problems, always problems. And so what we find is a lot of legacy landlords grow weary and we're right there to solve that problem for them when they're ready. Okay. So because of the reputation, the track record, this broker knew we could move quickly and we would, we can make decisions quickly and we can identify when it's a deal. And so that's what we did on this. We got the word that this guy was ready to sell. We put in an offer within 48 hours and tied it up. And then it went live on the market just so they could get backup offers. But we actually tied it up well before it went to the market. We had it tied up. And then after that, the property manager started to get calls from other people trying to make offers. We already had it tied up. So we tied it up, I want to say like three over three seven, right? And then we did our inspection, found that there were some issues with the roof, uh, maybe a little bit of mold, some of the some more deferred maintenance than they they even knew about. And we were able to get, call it sixty thousand dollars off. So we bought it under three seven. It was roughly one fifty five a door in two thousand and twenty. We closed like September, mid September of two thousand twenty, right? And at that point, all the units were filled, and the average rent was call it eight hundred dollars. And these are two bed, one bath. Two right? bed, one bath. So if you rewind to two thousand sixteen, when I first started doing multifamily, I bought my first fourplex, maybe like eight blocks down the road and our rents were 1250 in 2016. So naturally, as soon as I saw the rent roll, I was like, this is a home run. I know that we can get minimum 1295, right? Because Denver rents have increased three to 5% since 2016. These rents were average 800. And I was like, no brainer, two bed, one bath with little patios, sign me up. So we moved very quickly. We did our rent comps, got the debt. We fixed the money for five years. So we had five-year debt. The business plan was to hold anywhere from three to five years and increase rents at the end of the five years to $1,495, right? Rents right now are on average a little under $800. Wow. So that was how that was how the acquisition went, which is typically how our acquisitions go. It's something off market. We have to move very quickly. It's in a part of town that we already are familiar with. And so we know who the resident's going to be. We know within a couple dollars what rents are going to be and so it allows us to have an advantage on the market to move quickly based on our track record and our experience so that was how we took the deal down all right so took the deal down closed on september 2020 you said right that's right okay and so you went to there the plan was going there remodel the units get the get the occupancy up bump up the rents up significantly do your remodel and then you're going to hold it for a few years right that was so the original plan you're absolutely right was we were going to go in so pr- when i was using my own capital a building like this i would go in and clear the entire building at once and go do all the remodel at the same time and the real reason for that was for speed is i wanted to clear them all out take it to take the rent roll to zero and then build it back up that was when i was using my own capital and i wasn't i didn't really need the cash flow monthly since I started raising outside capital and doing syndication to other people's money, they like to see monthly cash flow. And so we've pivoted a little bit from that original business model to now we do just a slow turn. So a very intentional, like we look at the rent roll, we look at what leases are coming due that month, and we give them two options. So this is what we did in the middle of COVID, right? People, there's eviction moratorium, there's all kinds of things going on in the submarket and the state and the nation. And so what we did was very thoughtfully and carefully met with every single resident and said, look, 
your rent, your lease is due, you know, is is done. And the market rent for this area should be twelve to thirteen hundred. And your rent is seven fifty. We can paint your walls, put new appliances in, and you can renew at let's call it eleven ninety five. We won't do a full turn, but we'll just do a partial turn and we'll raise your rent to still under market and give you a deal because you've been here and you're a good resident. And what we found was that like 60%, so six out of 10 residents wanted to stay and ended up coming up and renewing and paying closer to market. And we just spent a little bit of money turning the unit, right? And the other residents that didn't want to do that, either they wanted to be in a different part of town or they were moving or you know, some kind of life event and they wanted to move out. And on those units, we would do a full turn, right? And so what we found was that we were able to raise the rent roll, but spend less money that we had budgeted, right, due to COVID. And on the full turns, we were immediately getting twelve ninety five in two thousand twenty. Twelve ninety five plus rub. So we were fifty dollars above pro forma. And so then we did that through the winter. So through the winter, as you can see through the case study, there was three to four to five vacant units a month, and we would turn those and do anywhere from the full business model to half the business model. Some of the units were in better shape, and we found that you know we did not need to do the full amount, spend all the money to get the desired rent. And that was what we did for 2020. And then that brings us to 2021. And most people that know what happened this year was the market got hot, rents went through the roof, yep, and there was not a lot of places for people to live. So we found ourselves in like March, April, May and peak leasing season was that when we renovated these units, we tested the market at 1495 and we were able to fill the units very quickly. So what we found was that when we did the full term, we were getting 1495 plus rubs and that was what our projected rents were in five years. And we were doing that this year. Wow. So you were projecting five years to be at 1495 and you're able to do that six months afterwards. In April and May of this year. So what made you decide to push rents just seeing the rent growth? We saw what was going on in the neighborhood. I saw what was going on in our other units around town. And we just thought, hey, let's see, you know, on a fully renovated, so brand new two bedroom, one bath in Reet Ridge, you know, what can we get? And we were able to fill them extremely quickly. So shout out to Brittany, Jordan, our leasing team, Lazeth. I mean, we were able to fill these units extremely quickly once they were remodeled. And that's what we did. So we so we were able to fill almost like let's say we did, let's say we did five to six full turns in 2021, and all of them were at 1495. And then there was one unit that was an up and down, it was four bed, two bath. So two units combined into one and we separated it legally, added an egress window in the basement and made two units, which was part of the business plan. So we went from 24 units to 25, all conforming. And both of those units we got at 1495. And in, so we were doing that, people were starting to see. So we had a rent roll now that showed 1295 on renovated units from last year. We had 1495 units renovated this year. And then the legacy tenants that renewed that didn't want to move were at 1195. So they had a blended rent roll, but significantly higher than where we bought it. And what that did is it proved out that rents could be much higher than what we had signed for. So it kind of still left some meat on the bone for us to turn units and push rents moving forward, but still having a fully stabilized building. So by May, I started to get calls from other brokers saying, hey, the market's hot debt is a lot cheaper than it was a year ago. When we did this deal, I think our debt was four and a half or something like that, four and a half percent. And debt currently in Denver is under three and a half percent. So debt had gone down 
roughly 100 basis points and cap rates had compressed, yep. meaning they went from when we bought this, cap rates are probably five and a half to more like five, four, high fours. And so brokers were calling. We actually got our first offer at 5.1 million. So we remember we bought the building for 3.7 in September. And by May, we were getting offers, a real offer from a real buyer at 5.1. What was your approximate construction cost? Originally, the budget was over $400,000 to do all 25 units. And we were into this thing for around 300. We spent, we did the parking lot, which wasn't part of the business plan. We did a little bit more in landscaping, but then we were under on the unit turns because we didn't have to do all of the units. So we were roughly $300,000. So you're about $4 million all in getting offers at 5.1. How many units got a full renovation? 15. 15. And the other units all got just the, the a light. modest turn or okay. light turn. But did any units go untouched? There was probably one or two units that we didn't touch. They okay. were in pretty good shape. They were clean. Okay. So you're on for $4 million, get an offer at 5.1. What'd you do? So we went under contract a little over 5.1 off market. It was a group out of Chicago that was looking to enter the market. And we went under contract and immediately I could tell that this wasn't our buyer. They were very, you know, they did their inspection and they asked for a large concession on a property that they knew we weren't very motivated to sell. We didn't need to sell. But we thought the story was there because there was meat on the bone and there were still 10 units that could be turned and there was still a lot of room in the rents based on the leases we had signed last year, right? So a perfect play for another syndicator or a family or someone that just wants to own Denver but still wants some growth, yep. right? And so we quickly terminated that contract within 30 days. We were like, listen, we're not in a we're not in a position where we need to sell this. But if you want to pay our number, we'll do it. And so we were off were they market. Were unrealistic in their concessions? or They were, they they were, were unrealistic. Asked. And I think every buyer gets into a deal and then they realize, oh, this is maybe a little bit more work than they wanted to turn the units or I don't know. You know, I can't speak for them, but it just was clear that we were not going to see eye to eye. So we took it. So terminated. We continued to drive rents. We continued to improve the property. We probably took a couple of the renewals to, you know, 1300, improving the rent roll, always growing and, and increasing NOI. And you let brokers know like, hey, if you got a good offer, bring it to us. Like you're, you're floating that. We or were still getting were calls, but you know, our business model is the broker that brings us a deal, they get the shot to sell it. So mm -hmm. I really was pretty clear like, hey, if you want to buy this, you need to talk to the certain broker. He brought us a deal and that's who we're going to transact with. And so he called me and said, look, I think if I do a soft marketing, I create a PDF, show the rent roll, I really think that I can sell this at 5.5 based on what you've done with the rent roll. 5.5 is still around a five cap. It still gives a new buyer room to grow XYZ. So I said, great, if you can get 5.5, let's do it. So we literally had 12 showings. I think he put it out to 15 people that he said, these people are qualified and that's it. We didn't go live on the market. It just was a, a soft circle of people that he knew were in the market for this price range and in this market. And I think that, that we did showings for two weeks. And on the 14th or 15th day, we had multiple offers. And one of the offers was 5.5 million from a buyer that they had transacted with in the past. So that made me feel good is they had a track record. Mm -hmm. They're already in Denver. They're a real buyer. And they had a lender that was already on board which was a lender that I knew really well that knew the property. And so that made me feel good. So we went under contract and it was maybe a 60 day close, which is basically what's happening right now because all the third party reporting is taking some time. And, uh, you know, they found some things, you know, that on some of the units that we hadn't touched. And so I think they got a $25,000 concession and that was how it went down. So it was a very easy process. You know, it was a 
tried and true, like experienced buyer. So no gimmicks. It wasn't their first time. They didn't get cold feet. They knew what they were buying. They love this part of town. And so for me, it was a very easy decision of, yeah, we'll, we'll transact. We'll, we'll close this deal. So parallel to that, I had put under contract in July, uh, a large building in just down the street from this, actually maybe a mile in Wheat Ridge that was 276 units. And so what we did was we gave everyone the option. Do you want to stay in the deal and 1031? So defer your gain and roll into this new deal. And the gain ended up being somewhere around mid 30% IRR, right? And so, um, like you said, we bought it for 3.7. That is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, it was solid. Yeah, risk adjusted return in Denver. Those are, you know, this was a this was a very good deal. I think yeah. the IR the projected IR was like nineteen or twenty, so we surpassed the projection, and we didn't have to get a taxable event in this year, which I was really excited about because I was in this deal. I think I was one of the larger investors in the deal, plus the promote, which was going to be the profit I made on the deal going well. And so I was able to defer that whole thing and roll it into a deal that I think is the same business model, just adding a zero, right? It's the same, you know, the rents are 1100. We know now the rent should be 1500 from what we just did down the street. So we we felt really good about the, the opportunity, being able to roll our gain into this new project. And this project, because it's larger, we're definitely going to hold this thing for five to 10 years. And so that was what ended up happening as we were able to sell the property 1031 it into this new project. And so that was, and, and I think all but two of the investors that were not accredited were able to roll over and go into this new project with us. And that was a phenomenal experience. Well, they had to be stoked for that. I mean, number one, the returns they got, keep it simple, roll into another deal. That's, you know, basically the same, you know, same structure. Like why, you know, who's not smiling about that? I didn't get to see them in person, but I hope that everybody's smiling. Yeah, I would hope so. And uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I learned a lot. I, this was my first 1031 with other people's money. So the legal bill was higher than I had expected. So that was one of the things I learned is there's a lot of nuances that come with a 1031 and rolling into a new deal. We actually had three different 1031s. So they're called tenants in common ticks that went into this new project. So that was a whole other, that's another story for another podcast. That was a lot of work, but you know, this Oak street project, was one of the ticks, one of the tenants in common that rolled over. And, you know, they're worth a great group. I think there's 11 investors, great group of people, people that I all really enjoy, totally comfortable being partners with them moving forward. And I think compounded when you, you know, when you calculate the basis that went in to Oak and then now the basis rolling over into our new project, I think it's going to be a great compounded return, risk adjusted, tax adjusted. You know, it's going to be great. And, you know, we're really excited to have these people into our new project and to continue working with them. So uh, we'll wrap up here in a couple of minutes, Terrence. Something I want to get uh, do a better job at is because, I mean, the information Friday was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, you took down a 24-unit property via syndication in Wheat Ridge, had your business plan. You still stuck to your gut. You still stuck to your risk tolerance. You still stuck to, hey, the long-term fundamentals in Denver are good. I can ride this COVID wave, and I, you know, you know, we can handle that speed bump. So you stuck to your your guns on there, um, and then you pivoted as the market just, you know, accelerated much quicker than you thought to just get a, you know, cap rates compressed um, and just some great opportunities for you to, you know, accelerate your returns much faster. So taking a step back from a lot of people out there who want to do what you do whether it's an operator, you know, say it's an operator, all this, like, 
what's an action item that someone can take away from this or that you could go back and tell yourself that way, whether they're investing in a deal like this or operating deal or just doing regular investing, like what's a takeaway that someone can implement to their own investing strategies that you learned from this? Sourcing deals in a market like Denver, I mean, there's a lot of markets that are hot, but sourcing deals in a market like Denver is difficult and it takes relationships, something you and I talk a lot about, right? And so you either have to spend time, patience is the name of the game. You either have to spend time building those relationships or partner with someone that already has them, right? And because of our advantage to the market, because of our relationships and our experience and our track record, we're able to find a property that is in a part of town we believe in and we know right? That we have experience in. We know what to expect from the residents, regardless of the pandemic. We know what to expect, right? So we knew going in the kind of people we're going to be dealing with, mostly Hispanic workforce housing. We knew the remodel. And so because of that, we were able to move quickly with confidence. And yeah, the market is always going to move up and down. It's going to throw you curveballs. And so you have to be able to be, you have to be flexible, be able to call an audible. And when the opportunity presents itself, be, be willing to take a great offer. You know, I think one of the things that I've learned with investing other people's money is that I'm a fiduciary now. And so instead of trying to like Mm. stretch it out and go the full five years to get an extra 10, 20%, you know, on IRR, maybe we could have gotten 40 plus if we held it another year. Right. But there's no need to try and hit home runs. Right. People are fine with singles and doubles, right. Knowing that you're watching over their money and when a great opportunity presents itself, you can move on it and give them options for other investments. And so just speaking from an operator's perspective, that's been my mentality is I'm not trying to hit home runs. I'm trying to hit singles and doubles, risk adjusted in markets and parts of Denver that I'm familiar with and just be a good steward of other people's capital and my own, right? And so that was that's kind of my advice for people out there looking to be operators. For LPs, I think what we offer and what we did here is just an opportunity to get into an asset class and a deal that you probably wouldn't be able to see because the market is so hot. Not every Tom, Dick and Harry gets to see every opportunity. And so you have to be in deals like we're doing to get access to these kind of opportunities. And so that's what we offer. We're really excited about the people that we work with and the business model and the traction that we're building. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud of my team. I mean, it's a team effort from the construction team, property management team, you know, our asset management team. I mean, the entire team it takes to pull this off. And I'm just one member of the team. And we have a great, we have a great team, a great set of LPs. And, you know, it takes, it takes an entire team to pull these kind of things off. And so I'm really, you know, I'm really happy for our LPs, for our team and, and the whole thing that we, we were able to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. This is cool. And I, you know, I know a lot behind the scenes from us talking, masterminding. I know, you know, quite a few people on your team and they're all just, you know, A plus players, which was great. And, you know, a big reason why you perform on deals like this. Terrence, this is awesome. I know people have questions when I learn more. I mean, it's the best way for people to watch the bigger pocket show we do, the the tribe of multifamily mentors, follow on Instagram, go to the website. What's a great way for people to learn uh, learn about you and get more ideas about what deals you do? Yeah, I think we're gonna post this case study on the web on your website, right? So people can read about the entire thing. There's a lot more detail. Some people much smarter than me put this together, has all of the information. We can post this? Yeah, we can post this. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So we'll post great. the case study. They can read, you know, from A to Z what we did. And, you know, you can go on our website. Uh, theverico.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Terrence Doyle, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed 
you know, being able to share this story. And it's really to inspire and educate. You know, it's not, I'm not setting it up here trying to brag about returns or anything like that. It's, hey, here's what we found. Here's what we did. And hopefully other people can learn and get inspired that, you know, I started in single family. Now we're doing multifamily, you know, and we're growing and you can start anywhere as long as you have, you're disciplined and, uh, and you're willing to sacrifice, you know, it's, it's all about delayed gratification, right? It's, it's patience, it's relationships, it's trusting the process, all those things that aren't sexy and fun. And uh, so that's really my goal here is to inspire, to educate and show people what is possible. I love it. You're doing a great job at it. So viewers, listeners, uh, check the show notes. There'll be a link to the case study on here. Um, it's a really good read, lots of numbers. So go check it out. Terrence, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 